Digital CXO, and I'm excited to be here today with J.R. Sherman. He is the CEO of Rain Focus. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me, Amanda. Excited to be here. Glad to have you. Can you share a little bit about Rain Focus and the services you provide? Yes, absolutely. Uh, just briefly speaking, uh, I've been in the event industry from a services and then software perspective for 25 plus years. Uh, I believe in it. I believe this is the most powerful channel for driving relationships in B2B and B2C. So just been passionate about it forever. And uh, Rain Focus really came about through all that experience because we knew we had to build a platform correctly from the ground up that could help organizations to manage their entire portfolio of events from virtual to physical, large and complex to very simple in a single platform. And really with the objective to simplify the integration into MarTech and to create more seamless journeys for our customers' customers as they interact with those brands. So uh, Rain Focus is just that. It is a top-to-bottom event management platform that's designed to capture all the behavioral insights uh, from events of all types around the world and feed it into the, uh, the systems, the CDPs, the marketing tech, the CRM systems of our clients and create better customer journeys. Great. Well, that's a good segue into our topic today, which is consumer behaviors. So why is it critical for business leaders to better understand real-time consumer behaviors online? Yeah, I think I think probably everyone will, will feel this. Um, there is just an ever-increasing amount of signal coming in and hitting us both as a consumer and as a business buyer, business solutions buyer, uh, the signal is increasing. It's everywhere. And if organizations aren't kind of taking advantage of both technology and relationships to better understand me, the messages can be lost in the signal. And what is actually what I'm looking for can be lost in, in that signal as well. So I just think it's very important for organizations to leverage technologies, but really to get real-time insights on preferences and inclination and what, where I am in a buying cycle or decision process, because that can be the difference to capture my attention. Got it. So how can businesses harness consumer data and ensure they have clean and updated data for effective decision-making? Yeah, so uh, I think that's a great question, Amanda. There are so many, you know, just like we said, there's a lot of signal hitting consumers and, and business buyers out there. There's this plethora of tech solutions and it's ever increasing as well. Everything can be automated. There's new SaaS offerings for just about everything. But I think, you know, I'll probably repeat this as we talk today, I'd imagine. But I just kind of always go back to the idea that we need to maintain the customer at the center of all the technology decisions that we make as organizations, as opposed to the technology's function itself or the purpose of that function. So it's not just about the event that you're running or the technology that just came out that's really cool. It's about the customer. And as we are fed all of these, you know, new opportunities to implement technology to build relationships, 
I think just keeping the customer at the center of that decision process and then implementing and testing the best technologies that can provide that customer the most real-time personalized content, that's that's the key. Just keep the customer at the center and then evaluate and test technologies that that augment that relationship. Absolutely. So what are the potential business consequences for companies if they miss important touch points in consumer behavior? Yeah, I, um, I thought you you might ask that. And I, I always just have this example that I think about in in that. But I think what it, what can happen is you can actually create a detractor, right? And and why I say that is, you know, whether it's some of the, the platforms out there that listen to you over your phone um, or some of the AI that's out there that's just capturing random clicks. If you're making just technology do the decision making about what my interests are without any thought behind that, um, you can really create a detractor. And the example I use is riding in the car talking about, you know, uh, my friend's mountain bike um, because something broke on it and I have no interest in mountain biking, um, all of a sudden I'm getting hit with mountain biking ads, right? Really creates a detractor for me of those brands, right? And they probably don't want to be, they, they would love to, you know, not bother me, but the technology that they've deployed is simply taking advantage of something out of context and applying it to me in a basically very unintelligent personalization um, deployment. So I just think if if you're not keeping the center, you know, the customer at the center, and you're not really making smart, informed technology decisions in real time, then you can almost create a detractor, the exact opposite of what you would want, right? So that that's what I would say is just that can be one of the big consequences. Got it. So do you have some examples of businesses that digitally transform their data processes well and saw measurable results? Yeah, sure. Um, I think um, I'll, I'll give just a preface to that and say, you know, I, look, I'm in the events industry and and I, I like I said, I'm passionate about it. I believe it. it's what builds and grows relationships. But um, the the two and a half year pandemic period that drove events to an online environment really awakened a lot of organizations and functions and organizations to the power of events themselves. So um, all of a sudden they realized these crazy things that took place at the Moscone Center, they were online, they said, wow, I get it now. Really great content is created. Um, and then we have customers and we're matching content with customers and we're providing a captive environment to do that. Well, yes, it was online for a little bit. So digital marketers could understand it over that period. And it's moved back now to physical. Nonetheless, there is this heightened awareness of the importance of tracking customer preferences and behaviors to give better personalization in real time. So, um, Really, the, almost every customer we're working with is at some phase in the process of digital transformation, including the event channel. And that's both physical and virtual. There's no reason nowadays to treat physical events any different than virtual in capturing real-time behavioral insights from those, those interactions. And I would use IBM as an excellent example 
uh, when when we were brought into uh, IBM, they had probably countless uh, technology solutions being deployed around the world with their teams to execute events. Uh, those could be webinars, they could be online, or they could have been uh, small meetings or breakfast meetings or conferences or seminar tours that were live. Um, and the transformation that took place there was moving all of those event experiences onto the RainFocus platform so that we could create a single point of integration back to their CDP, back to their MarTech, and have one data instance, we call it the global attendee, whether that customer attends one or 50 different experiences with IBM, they're seen as one record, and that record is in constant contact uh, with IBM's master record on that customer. That in and of itself had tremendous ROI for you know IBM and being able to understand preferences in real time, and then not just think of events versus digital marketing, but think of them all as assets that can be delivered at the right time for a customer in their journey. It might be digital now, that might push or, or show that there might be some great content at a physical meeting or conference. And out of that, we see that some other digital content is relevant. So transformation for us really meant merging both the entire event channel and digital marketing into a set of assets and technology that could deliver the right content to a customer in their buying cycle or their journey with your brand. Uh, and like I said, all of our customers are at some phase of that. Um, and, you know, I, I just I think of IBM because of the vast amount, thousands and thousands of events per year uh, as a great example of being able to take a very large volume and still achieve that goal of of bringing all of that that content, digital and physical together. Absolutely. Thanks for the example. So what role does experimentation play in the DNA of businesses in the context of digital transformation? Uh, I think it's I think it's fantastic. I, I would I think I said I was going to do this, but I'll I'll harken back to that. Um, if you're going to look into a new technology, um, a new offering, um, a new automation tool, or something like AI, I think it's very important again to check yourself for a moment and say, am I keeping my customer at the center of this decision? And in doing so, am I going to experiment and test with the this technology as to how it improves my relationship with this customer and helps me grow it? Or am I simply racing to implement a technology because it's all the rage right now and I've got to figure out how to get it integrated? Um, I would say that's the most powerful thing uh, to do as you evaluate some of these things coming out and you're testing them. Um, and we see testing and experimentation both on the digital side and on the event channel um, frequently. And I think it's important to compartmentalize that, that testing or experimentation so that you can actually see an A-B difference in what its impact and attribution is for ROI on that, as opposed to just rolling it out completely across everything and then assuming that you have some relevant basis for ROI. So uh, keep the customer at the center of the decision, experiment in a compartmentalized fashion so you can really check attribution and ROI. I know we're hearing about AI a lot these days and also starting to hear a lot about VR and AR as well. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, this is something, you know, it, it, it is definitely not, um, something we can just compare to things in the past. Um, I remember in the banking crash in 07, 08 and the whole event world was going to go virtual. Um, and then we saw that again, you know, in 20, 2020 and, and through 22. But I think at the end of the day, um, when we see trends like this, and I do think AI is something much more real than AR and, and VR in the ability to help, you know, businesses that are B2C or B2B grow their relationships. AI is going to play probably a more long-term significant role than some of those others. But I do think it is really about being, again, keeping the customer at the center, but also kind of testing or experimenting like like you were asking about before with those technologies. There's some great ways to um, implement uh, AI right now. We, we do it within the event channel. It can be as simple as the ability to help create synopsis or summaries of content that are personalized to somebody. It can be a great way to search, you know, terabytes of video uh, on-demand sessions for relevant terms and words and create a list of relevant sessions. So it helps us with generating personalized recommendations on content. Um, it can do moderation of chat. So there's some great ways to deploy it where you have to kind of be careful with something like AI is, is understanding, you know, personal information, protecting your IP, uh, and racing to deploy something like AI too quickly could cause a lot of damage there, right? Because there is a human aspect. AI and generative AI are based on existing content. So we have to be careful that it's not grabbing something that's already error prone or incorrect and incorporating it into a broader deployment. So I do think there is still very much a human aspect to checking, testing, and experimenting with something even like AI. And VR and AR, um, I think, are are very cool. Um, but, you know, as much as we love to incorporate those into the event channel, um, we, we see a limited um, impact in helping expand business relationships or grow relationships so much as it's more of a cool factor for helping generate interest at the top of the funnel, we might say. But uh, it really is live interaction that that helps businesses and and relationships get get established. So uh, always looking for cool ways to deploy VR and AR. But face to face is is just I think human nature drives the need for people to see each other. Got it. So a little bit more of a technical question: How does the infusion of contextualized data into tech stacks contribute to bolstering brands' customer data profiles? Oh, that's, uh, I think that's something that we actually talk about with customers quite a bit, and it, it can be very eye-opening. Um, I'll give a very simple example of how I view contextualization of, of data. Um, many times when we lay out for a customer what it means for somebody to have attended six sessions at a conference versus they opened an email, clicked on a link, and downloaded a PDF white paper. Um, we do it from the context of the amount of time, money, and commitment spent by a customer to block out time, travel 
to a conference, whether it's local or flying, and then take literally hours, if not days of their time and dedicate it to consuming content and networking in your captive environment, the context of that has to be applied in understanding that um, preference or inclination for the customer versus the seconds or at most minutes spent clicking on a pop-up ad or opening an email and downloading a white paper. So contextualization many times has to do with understanding the commitment level and the engagement level required for a consumer or a customer to engage with content as opposed to just the fact that they did it or what that content was. So um, that's why I think it's very important as we think about engagement being a measure of interest and preferences, we have to understand what it took for the customer. So it gets a higher rating or a higher score or a weight, right? For the fact that they took that time and made that journey and, and engaged that much versus clicking. So I think if we weight those, it helps us understand where in a customer journey, physical engagement or digital content are more helpful for that customer in making their buying decision. And that's that constant learning that we do um, to understand how to make those journeys as personalized but efficient as possible for customers. Got it. So you already touched on some technologies, but what are some emerging technologies that can help businesses simplify the collection, sorting, and analysis of data sets? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll focus on one that I think is really super important right now, and that is the CDP, right? The customer data profile that that organizations are evaluating uh, from most major players, right? We've got uh, Microsoft, Adobe, Salesforce, Oracle, they've all got CDPs. Um, and many people say, so what is this CDP? Um, we believe that not only is the CDP critical, but being the event channel aggregator and being able to pull all event data into a single platform at RainFocus, we believe that merging that data with a CDP can be the tipping point for really what we call omni-channel marketing. And what that means is currently, if you speak with, let's just say an enterprise B2B organization, they have a number of digital marketing tools and techniques and campaigns that they run. They have physical events and virtual events, and they have all types of engagement and web engagement and social. And in many cases, those organizations are relying on those individual tools to provide reporting, data, insights, and attribution. And then they're required to pull that from each of those different tools and understand which ones are maybe performing best. I would call that ability to do that, which is not easy, multi-channel marketing. That means that I'm leveraging a number of digital and physical ways to engage with customers. And I am pulling data from all of them and doing my best to, to attribute the movement of a customer through their buying journey to each of those different tactics. What the CDP provides is a central place for all of that data to be housed and grown on an individual customer or account. So that CDP is pulling the data from all of those different campaigns and all of those different tools, digital and physical events. And RainFocus, if you think of us having all the event data, 
into that CDP and the CDP helps you do a better job of exactly that. Let's do not just attribution, but proactively understand and recommend what paths are best for a customer in their journey on a decision process. Um, so I think that is something that continues to emerge. There's a number of them out there. And depending what organizations are trying to achieve or how complex their sales and marketing campaigns are, there are different ones that might match their need. But um, I do think as organizations face this potential cookie-less future and zero and first-party data being very hard to capture, again, events, um, be they physical or virtual, face-to-face, uh, will become a critical and definitely the largest source of zero and first-party data. And that being the case, I think having a CDP in place allows you to take all of that data joined with what you already know about customers and maybe learning through the digital marketing process. And again, all of this that we're talking about is just to provide more efficient, valuable customer journeys um, to our clients' customers. Um, CDP is something that I think everybody should probably be looking into, especially if they have complex uh, MarTech stacks and, and campaigns. Definitely sounds like it simplifies the process and is much more efficient. So last question, as more businesses move services online and digitally transform their operations, what are the key issues and pit pitfalls you're seeing business leaders need to be aware of? Um, I, you know, I would say, Amanda, it's kind of like a summary of, of what we were talking about here, because it, the ability to really understand your customers, meaning their preferences, their inclinations, and how they like to consume content from you and how they make decisions, um, you really need to put them at the center of it. And so, you can't fake it, I guess is what I would say, right? You can't leave it just to some technology that you put in place and expect that technology to go learn about your customers and then make recommendations to them. There is a human process to all of this. For the same reason face-to-face -face events came back as fast as it did, um, I think human nature drives a lot of what we do in marketing and sales because it is about relationships. So, Behind all of the technology that you deploy or you test or experiment with, I think it's very important to put the human touch into it and to make sure that whatever you're testing or deploying is really enhancing in some way that customer's experience with your brand and maybe helping them make decisions in a more efficient process. Um, because the, the pitfalls are leaving too much to the technology uh, and not putting the human touch behind it. Um, it would be like just putting a whole bunch of virtual content out there um, on demand and expecting customers to come find it and make decisions and buy your product versus all of the human touch we put behind creating experiences and personalized customer journeys. Um, it's the same. So I would say just keep the customer at the center um, and don't depend too much on the technology to to understand your customers' preferences just kind of keep an eye on that and uh, and help the technology create better journeys. Got it. Personalization is the key. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on our show today and sharing your insights with us. My pleasure, Amanda. It was great to be here. Thank you for, for talking with me.